Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So anyway, thanks for being here. I know we already just talked about it a little bit and I just told you I hate the interview style, but why don't you go ahead and just give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself before we start taking a deep dive into all your good stuff you got going on. So I got a lot yeah. of questions and stuff I'm really curious about. So go ahead and uh, give them that a little okay. bit or give them a little tidbit anyway. Yeah, well, my name is Karen Nicole Batar, and I'm a former attorney. I was a litigator, and I am now an optimization coach and kundalini yoga teacher. So my life has taken a very interesting turn. Um, and thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. Good, good, because I'm really excited to learn about kundalini yoga. And I know I have a really vague definition of it, and basically from what I know a little bit about it, and we'll talk about your story about the lawyer mm -hmm. and that stuff too, but I'm, I'm really interested in this first part first, but that you basically take, you can get yourself into a deep, different state of mind and almost release like DMT, correct? And go into like a psychedelic state, not really release DMT, but go into a psychedelic state with Kundalini yoga. Is that correct? So I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I guess I don't, I would have to look more at what that like releasing DMT, like what that actually means and going into those states. I, you, do you know who uh, Wig Hoff, Hoffman? Hoffa? No, he, he does a lot of breath work, and he does. Uh, he's, oh, he, Wim Hof. Wim Hof. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's basically said that you know, with his Guinness's Book of World Record stuff, that why he can hold his breath for so long underwater and mm -hmm. you know go under freezing temperatures, you know, basically butt naked, is that he can get his mind in that state just through breath work and releasing certain different. I guess, brain activity or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Right. So you're correct about, yes, that, that is, that is him. And yes, I've looked at his work. Um, I find it really interesting. And I do think there's actually, there might even be a correlation between some of the breathing that he does and some of the breathing we do in Kundalini yoga. Cause even some of the techniques he teaches, I'm like, well, that's, that looks similar to what we're doing. And so, yeah. So Kundalini yoga 
it does utilize a lot of different breath work. It also utilizes, so it utilizes breath work. It also uses postures and poses. It utilizes hand positions and eye positions because like our hands are connected to different parts of the brain. We can stimulate the endocrine system and the brain with eye positions. It uses meditation. It uses relaxation. It also uses sound currents. So what it's doing is like using all of these things along with the breath work. And what it's doing is it, it's doing something that is just, I think it's really addressing us as like the dynamic and complex beings that we are, because what it's doing is it's working the physical body, like including critical systems of the physical body, like the nervous system, the endocrine system, the immune system. It's also working you on an emotional state, so helping to release suppressed emotions and to um, deal with current emotions. It's also working on an energetic level. So if you look at us as energetic beings, which in the yogic sciences they did, it's working that. And then on top of it, it's working from a mental level. So it's like working the mind. And so it's helping a person to control and direct their mind. And so it really is a practice that like, it will take you into a place of like, really, I would say being this being that you really understand who you are and like how to direct and use your power and that you are powerful and how to like direct and control your mind. And there's so much we can do with the breath. It's just like, it's a laundry list of things that we can do with the breath. So I don't know about like, um, I mean, I know when we do Kundalini yoga, we change endocrine secretions. And so I'm not really sure like DMT, I'd have to like <laughs> refresh my memory on kind of like where, what, what that is exactly. And like, but I will tell you, it will it will take you. It's a I would say it's a transformative practice, really. Okay, so yeah, so DMT is dimethyltryptamine, I think, and that basically okay. they call it. When I say they, I guess experts or researchers, research, mm -hmm. whoever. But um, it, it's released when you know somebody passes away, and it's also you can use it like a business drug, is what people say, because it, it lasts hmm. roughly twenty minutes, and it takes you down a different psychedelic state. It's almost but it's not it's kind of has similar principles with ayahuasca if that makes oh, okay. okay okay so but it just lasts shorter and mm. so in this space on what little research i did with kundalini yoga is that that was kind of what they were or people who practice it that they could release maybe it maybe it wasn't dmt but get into a psychedelic state where they're in a completely different state of mind, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Well, I would definitely say that it, it can bring you into a different state of mind mm -hmm. in that, like it helps a person to really control and direct their mind. It helps a person to understand also that they're not their mind. They exist beyond the mind and to have that experience of existing separate and apart from and beyond the mind. And so, I mean, it, it does take people into um, states that I would say are transformative. I, when I think of like people going on ayahuasca journeys and whatnot, I, I do think that's different. I, I think like Kundalini, it, Kundalini is a more, um, I would say a more grounded practice in a way, and it's a more gradual practice in a way. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like it's 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 taking your body and your beingness into these states in a way that your body and your beingness can handle and in a way that doesn't like it's almost like it's it's doing it in a way that it's maintainable as well. 
if that makes sense. So it's almost like you start to live in that different space. Yeah. So, you know, in talking about with the breath work and stuff, I've also read James Nestor's book, Breathe. And he was actually talking about, you know, mouth breathers and just actually learning to breathe through your nose and how yeah. beneficial it is to with your brain and just your overall well-being. And so I guess that's kind of basically what I was getting at. What, you know, being in my point is that you can just unlock your mind and like you just kind of really just said, like get into a different mental state or emotional state just with breath work and learning to actually, you know, breathe and hold it in within, you know, a few seconds and just not, you know, short periods of time. And there's also in his book, you know, he actually talks about how just breathing through your nose helps, you know, physical performance and stuff like that. So, yeah, so that's absolutely true. And we do, we do use a lot of breath work in Kundalini yoga and the things that it can do are so incredible. I mean, you can sit down and do some breath work for three minutes and you will feel different afterwards, so long as you're doing the things that really move the dial. Do you know what I mean? And what, what we're seeing is, so since we're talking about the breath, it's really interesting. It's been estimated that a third of the population is not even breathing well enough to maintain normal health. Right. <laughs> right? So it's like, it's like, and that, I think that's so interesting, given that people, one, they're so worried about their health. And two, I think it's so interesting because with our breath, we hold so much power. I mean, we can change our blood chemistry with our breath. We can rid ourselves of addiction using our breath. We can prevent buildup of toxins in the lungs. Like we can stimulate endorphins. We can bring the brain to new levels of alertness. Um, We can cleanse the blood. We can regulate the body's pH. We can energize ourselves. We can also calm ourselves. And so it's like there's so much we can do with the breath and it's so powerful and it's like, it's right there. You don't have to go out and have someone else do something to you. You don't have to go buy something. You know, it's right there and it's so powerful. And Wim Hof is actually a really good example of how powerful the breath is. I mean, the things that guy does, they seem impossible, but he's a human just like everybody else. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the points in the book is that just talking about how just breathing through your nose and just and not, and, you know, you know, people say you're a mouth breather and that's kind of an insult, I guess you could say, but mm-hmm. they really attention to it. Just, you know, they had little breath works, the breath breathing practices at the end of the book that you could do and stuff. And I actually just noticed the difference in doing it. And then yeah. my workouts, you know, he actually forgot who the coach was, but the coach would make his athletes hold water in their mouth and make them run. So breathing through their nose and with my workouts, wow. I try to do now. And you can, it says you can't see a, uh, results within, you know, weeks or two, but over months of just doing it. Yeah. You're going to see a huge, um, benefit from doing it. Yeah. And and also one cool thing was, uh, did you say you read the book? I have not read that book now. Okay. So one thing he actually did was a study that, um, so at night, I think he was saying that most people usually breathe through their, uh, their mouth at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he, he wore some kind of a mouthpiece or something that forced him to breathe through his nose and it actually changed the shape of his face wow yeah so it it was something about like holding like pennies within his teeth or his his mouth or something and now he could close the gap i'm I'm butchering that really bad it's been a few months since i've read it but Mm -hmm. but yeah just the whole this changing your facial structure just from breath work was just i was like mind blown you know yeah no, and 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 two, yeah, that makes that makes sense actually. I mean, it sounds incredible, yeah. but our bodies really are, and that's what I've learned through doing Kundalini Yoga. Like, really, the magnificence 
of our bodies and their ability when we really tap into and we understand too, like how to treat them. Mm-hmm. It's like, we do hold so much power with our breath. And it's like, and again, like I said, people are generally speaking, very worried about so many things. And they're also living in states of, you know, they're worried about their physical body, but they're also living in these kind of mental states where they're consumed by fear, where they're consumed by like feeling stressed out about things. And so just to like add to this is like, when, so when we breathe in, we take in oxygen, we expel carbon dioxide. That matters, of course, right? And so it really matters that we're doing that. But from a yogic perspective, in addition to taking in oxygen and releasing carbon dioxide, we're also, when we breathe in, we're taking in what's called um, prana. And this is life force energy. And so when you breathe in, it's not just like you're taking in oxygen, you're taking in life force energy. And when you breathe out, you're releasing what's called a pana, which is an eliminative energy. So it's like you're taking in this life force energy. And at the same time, you're releasing and letting go of what no longer serves you. And so the breath holds even more power than most people think it does. And so in the yogic tradition too, if you control the breath, you can control the mind and you can control the emotions because the mind and the emotions follow the breath. And so there's just so much there. And it's like, if we just really understand how to use our breath and tap into that power, but what we're seeing too is most people they're not breathing well enough to sustain normal health, but they're not even breathing in the way that our body was really structured to breathe. They're breathing like they're doing shallow breathing, meaning like they're breathing from just up here. They're not breathing from the abdomen or they're doing paradoxal breathing, which is like, so your abdomen should expand when you inhale. And because the diaphragm moves down, it makes space for the lungs and it should, when you exhale, it should contract because the diaphragm moves up and it helps the lungs expel. And some people, what they're doing is paradoxal breathing. They're actually bringing the abdomen in on the inhale. Is, Is it true that, so when babies are born, they actually do breathe through their abdomen and they just, it's just naturally, but somewhere over time, I don't know how it works, but this is, I can't remember if this was a college class when I took this or whatever, but somewhere over time, it's like what you're saying that we just automatically just start breathing through our lungs rather than our abdomen. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I so, didn't know that. Yeah, so it, it's basically hmm. we, not me. Well, I mean, some, I focus on that, but people do forget how to breathe in yeah. the correct way, I guess you could say. So that's really interesting. And I find that interesting too, because... So in the yogic tradition, the abdomen, like the navel point, you have 72,000 energy channels that come out of that point. So it's considered your command center. And so like, for instance, say you're, you know, talking to someone and you feel like they're not really listening to you. What we say to do in the yogic tradition and in Kundalini Yoga is we're like, speak from your navel. And so there will be a lot of exercises in Kundalini Yoga where where we'll really put focus and attention on the navel. It's almost like breathe from your navel, speak from your navel, chant from your navel. So I think that's real. I did not know that, but I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's one of those um, like kinesiology things that have you ever seen a baby squat? Do you have kids? Mm -mm. I don't either. (laughs) I'm single dad. If you ever like look at pictures of a baby doing a squat, it's almost perfect, you know, a regular human squat. Hmm. So, you know, I guess, you know, just over time, you know, I don't know if it's society, culture, but, you know, they just life experiences, but things change, obviously. And Mm -hmm. 
you forget to do a perfect squat and because people are just worried about the sitting and then somewhere over time, you know, where I teach a couple CrossFit classes each week and there's people, you know, I'll say squat. And it's just like, when I say squat, they don't know what they're doing. Hmm. It's just like, they have to rethink about, you know, how to sit down into a chair when it usually comes naturally. But if you don't have a chair behind you, they're like, Oh, wait, what do I do? But with babies, yeah. it's just natural to them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I really do. And we really do hold this innate wisdom and knowing in our body. And, you know, my position is that in, in life generally, we've been taken away from what I call the truth of who we are is, but it's like, it's there. And it's a matter of really like retapping into that, rediscovering that and really knowing that. And so it's so interesting that when we talk about babies, like you said, those two things about babies, I think that's so interesting. It's like they have this natural and innate kind of beingness and yeah. Do you think that you said you focus a lot on navel stuff? Is that just because, mm-hmm. you know, when a baby's in the womb, that just, that's where the umbilical cords attached and that's kind of what the life or so to speak. Yeah, it might be. I'm not. Yeah, no, I mean, these are good things to ask. I mean, I, I just know in the yogic tradition, it's, it's, it's where we have 72,000 basically nadis or energy channels that come out of the navel point. And so I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, there's a connection there, right? Like the umbilical cord, like there probably is. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me, but I don't, I can't like, you know, I, that's we didn't really you know get into that it's like in the yogic tradition the yogic scientists it's like they identified it's it's like there's a yogic anatomy in a sense that like that you can learn and it's like it's an energetic it's more of an energetic anatomy and so yeah so when doing when practicing kundalini yoga is it how, when you say just yoga in general i mean how does it different differentiate i mean it's just you said breath work and stuff but are you holding mm-hmm. pose and then practicing your death breath work more or you know i've only took yeah. a couple of different yoga classes so i don't know the full okay so when you think of yoga do you generally think of people kind of like standing and doing like postures like yeah so it's more posture more stretch yeah you know stretching yeah warrior's pose you know yeah it's trying to get like kind of getting in your mindset but different it's like seems like more focused on the breathing and just making yourself feel better physical wise i guess yeah so a lot of um so, I mean, there's a lot of different traditions of yoga. There's a lot of different types of yoga. I think what what I'm finding, and, and this is what I'm finding in other people and what I found in myself, was that like what most people associate with yoga is like a hatha yoga, which is a yoga that is posture imposed focused. And it's kind of the yoga I think that people are kind of used to seeing. And I know for me that I did yoga for years and that's what I did. I did a form of hatha yoga. It's like, you know, do the different poses, moving in and out of them. It's kind of like you're flowing from one pose to the next. Um so kundalini yoga, it looks pretty different <laughs> to the point that when I took my first class, I was just like, this is odd. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, because so it does use postures and poses, but they some there is some overlap, like some of the poses people might be used to, but there's a lot of, lot of poses that are different. And there's tons and tons and tons of poses in kundalini yoga. So, um, it does use postures and poses, but 
a lot of them do look quite different. But then what it's doing is as it's using those postures and poses, you're also doing like multiple different types. There's multiple different types of breathing. So it's like you're not just necessarily breathing in and breathing out. Or it's not just like, you know, okay, you're in this pose, now breathe. It's like, do this specific breath. Put your tongue here, use, put your lips here. You know what I mean? Like this, like we're doing breath of fire. We're doing like, it's like different types of breathing. So so it's using the breathing. And then again, it's using the hand positions and the eye positions. We use a lot of sound currents. So there's a lot of like chanting and mantra. And then we do relaxation meditation. So it looks different. It looks different. <laughs> so it's more verbal and more, what's the word am I saying? Like more um, compared to yoga, you, it seems like you just want to be quiet. This whole pose, this seems to be more, you're chanting and doing more. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You're chanting, you're doing heavy breathing. You know what I mean? And of course that there's a lot of variety in Kundalini yoga. It's a really dynamic practice because what it is, is Kundalini yoga, the classes are based on what are called Kriyas, which is like, it's a set of things that are put together to create a certain result. And there's thousands of Kriyas. So the classes can look really different. And so some classes will be a little bit more meditative and quiet. Some classes are going to be much more vigorous, but yeah, you're going to be breathing and you're, and also too, we do use a lot of sound currents. So sometimes like we'll be doing one posture and then we'll move into like, now we're chanting and it could be a very kind of vigorous, like not where it's not like necessarily this relaxing. It could be very vigorous, like tap into your power. You're really powerful. Let's do this. Like, so <laughs> how long have you been doing this? So I started doing Kundalini yoga. I found it about three years ago and let's see, I've been teaching now for, I think it'd be two years. So when you walked in your first class, I mean, were you intimidated? Were you worried about, you know, what seeing, was it kind of like that? What mantras going on and chanting so stuff? I mean, was it intimidating or what? It wasn't for me because I actually did it online. There was no Kundalini yoga where I lived. So, and there's still, I, I, I mean, there's, it's, it's more available on the West coast, but on the, like where I live in North Carolina, it, I mean, there was, um, at the time I started doing it, the only classes I think were in Durham. So I'd have had to drive, like, I mean, it wouldn't have been that far, but like, I, I literally, I turned on, I turned on a class, like on youtube <laughs> that was my first experience with it so, i mean to get your you know just to get used to it and see what you're getting into i mean mm -hmm. especially with the, what happened with the pandemic i mean people who wanted to start working out i mean do it virtually do it youtube and plus you know it's like so you know when i said i coach crossfit you know immediately when most people say crossfit you know they immediately say oh you're going to get hurt doing that you know that's you shouldn't do that or whatever so but mm -hmm. doing it virtually and stuff it seems you know less embraceive that you can just be in sitting in your own home you know, comfortable in a good environment and then practice or try something new then. Yeah. Yeah. So I ha I mean, I did eventually obviously take live classes, um, but I still, I still live stream my classes. And I think it was, you know, it was, it had such an, the practice had such an impact on me and I was able to basically take a class by someone who was teaching, you know, in California because, you know, and so I really appreciated that. And so I actually do live stream my classes that way people can access them no matter where they are. If they don't have Kundalini yoga in their area and a lot of areas don't have Kundalini yoga. Yeah. My area <laughs> doesn't. So that's just the reason I always knew about it, but I just, 
knew, you know, like I was saying earlier, just knew it had a vague definition of it. Like, so it's just, I guess, regular yoga. Then we have hot yoga here and it's where I'm at. So that was only only two forms I know of. Yeah. Yeah. No, is this similar to me? Yeah. So I understand that, you know, based on where you're from, you're what driving you 30 minutes to an hour just to have a yoga class. I'll I'll be the same way. It's like, yeah, you want to do that when I could just do it my own home. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find it that you said you have done it in person, correct? Mm-hmm. So do you have, find yeah. it a huge difference doing it virtually and in person? Like do you get more out of it in person compared to virtually or what? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think you get more out of the practice doing it in person. It's a powerful and effective practice. And I think I think doing it though, um, it's not a pra- I mean, I I think it's good to be in a class in the sense that like someone, you have someone teaching you and guiding you through it. I do think that's beneficial, but like whether that's virtually or whether that's in person, I think the practice itself is so effective Mm -hmm. at the same time though, I do think like, so I live stream my classes. And so before the class, like everyone is talking, do you know what I mean? It's like we've formed this community and I do think there's just added benefit to that, to like being in community. But do I think that people have to take the class in person to get the the most benefit? I I don't think that. I do find though that some people just, they want in person. And so that, because that's like how they kind of like, that's the thing for them. But, but yeah, the practice is going to be effective. Yes. I mean, the reason I ask that is just because I've done a few or a handful of podcasts with my close friends in person and the majority of them are like this virtually. But I have noticed that I feel, you know, when you're in in the room with somebody, you know, you're reading the body language, you're reading their little mm-hmm. bits that they do, and you're just feeding off one another. There's like a different energy, I guess. I agree with that. I yeah. do agree with that. And of course, as an instructor, it's easier for me to see what people are doing when we're in person. Um, but but yeah, my thing with Kundalini Yoga is like I I want people to know it exists and I want people to do it because it's just so, so beneficial. And so it's like, if, if you can't get it in person, do it online. Or if that's kind of the way you operate, like I know when I used to work, I could only, I worked out at 4am. That was the only time I had, like, that was it. So, you know, (laughs) I had to do everything virtually. So, but yeah. I agree hundred percent. Just that, you know, there's, I hear, you know, see a lot of, read a lot of articles and see, you know, talk to a lot of different people who want to, you know, get in some kind of fitness regime and there's like no I don't have enough time you know to know mm-hmm. I want to do that or there's you know there's always a million reasons to say no to whatever but yeah if you really want to do it just like you said hey take it you know get on YouTube and do it or find a virtual class and then find your own time when you can do it I mean it's just like yeah you know, it's like oh you really don't want to do it then I mean if you really want to do it you'll do it but I guess I hope that makes sense what I'm trying to say is that yeah you know? For sure. Let's go after it, man. I mean, who cares how you do it? As long as you're striving to one of your goals or your system or whatever, just doesn't matter if it's virtual in person, then you can figure it out from there. Absolutely. I just say do something to get the ball rolling and Mm -hmm. don't wait. You know, if you're in a state where you don't have the health you want, you're not feeling good, you know, there's no reason to wait on this. Like it's these things are available to people now more than ever. And yeah, just get started. Like start somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I know exactly what you mean. It's just some, I know a lot of people, I think it's one of the things that people are afraid 
to try something new or take that first step just because most likely they're going to fail. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been there, you know, I do it all the yeah. time. It's gotta be, you can't be worried about it, but I get it that you don't want to look like a fool. You know, you don't want to look mm-hmm. like it by just failing your first time, but most people, you know, they learn from their mistakes and that's how you become successful. You know, you just keep grinding it out, keep showing up, keep doing more, you know, and I'm not saying if you want to, you know, lose 20 pounds, go out there and start running marathons or whatever, but right. got there's take a step towards it, you know, and start small and go from there. So, yeah. And, and I love that you brought this up because it's so true. We, what we do is we don't do things because we're afraid to do them or because they make us feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I will tell, I will tell you, I'm one of the people who did this. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, I don't want to do that. It makes me feel uncomfortable or I'm afraid of that. And it's like, we, we take that uncomfort, we, we take that discomfort and we take that fear as if it's reason for us not to do those things. But really, it's like we need to understand how our mind is functioning. And what the mind does is if the mind, if you haven't experienced something, the mind has nothing to like go look back on and say, okay, you've done this thing, you've survived it. It's okay for you to do it moving forward. So anytime you step into something new, even if it's something that seems like so Kundalini yoga classes, they do look different. You know, they do like you're going to be asked to do some things in class that are going to feel weird to you. And you might feel like, oh, I look silly or this is, you know, I'm embarrassed or whatever. Right. So there's this level of discomfort. But but you have to understand, like what the mind is basically saying is you haven't done this before. So I'm going to make you very uncomfortable to do it now because I can't look back and tell you that you'll survive this. And what the mind does is it says, even if everything you've lived, you have been miserable as long as you've survived it, keep doing it. Like that's actually your comfort zone. Like your comfort zone, some people don't understand this. Their comfort zone can actually be stress and worry and overwhelm, right? And so it's like, so stepping into the new, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And I, and I wish that I had understand that had understood this sooner in my life, but that stepping into new, that doing things that are like uncomfortable, that's actually really powerful action. Like you want change in your life. It is going to take mm-hmm. stepping into things that feel uncomfortable. And what people, what you'll learn as you do that is you'll start to see, oh my goodness, when I step into these things that are uncomfortable, I really get results. Like I'm at the point in my life now where I'm like, what? could feel uncomfortable to me. Like, I'm going to go do that because I've learned like stepping into the new, like if you want change in your life, you've got to step into the new and that the mind is going to interpret that to you as feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm glad you just said that because I did a podcast with the guy roughly a few weeks ago and he was his, you know, main thing was with, you know, addiction and reading his book. He had a thing in there that really related to me was a negative comfort zone. And I never have heard of it you know, call that before. And it was like, so related. Yeah. exactly what you said. People get stuck in their comfort zone, but it's full of stress or being overworked or, um, I guess the biggest thing is stress. And then, but mm-hmm. they're, they don't want to do anything about getting out of that comfort zone. They're just like, no, right. I'm just going to still stay, you know, stay with it. You know, I don't want to change. I'm scared of change or whatever have you, but it's like, Hey, you're in a negative comfort zone. This is not great for the body. It's not great for the mind. It's just not great all, all around. But, you know, like I said, they are, and like you said, to set it, they refuse to try to get out of that thing, you know, and put themselves into the positive comfort zone and go from there. I like that terminology, negative comfort zone. I hadn't heard that. I really yeah, like that. It really yeah. be hardcore just because I started, you know, rethinking some of my life experiences. Like, you know, at that time, I think I was in a negative comfort zone. And I was just, yeah. you know, you know, like I said earlier, there's always a million reasons to say no to something. 
There, there are. And so it's really like, you know, it's like understanding how your mind is working and what it's doing. Like your mind is telling you don't step into this discomfort, but like, that's not something like you actually want to. It's like, you just understand like, oh, the mind is in this survival mode right now. But I don't, I don't choose to live my life in survival mode. I choose to thrive. And that's going to take me stepping into things that are uncomfortable. And it really does. You really do get to the point where you're like, I'm so excited for this next thing that feels uncomfortable (laughs) because you start to see like it will give you results. Yeah. No, and just, you know, I think it's so easy to to stay in that and just, you know, make excuses, like I said, and just blame other people for people's problems. Like, oh, I can't do that because I'm not you. And it's like, well, hey, dumb, dumb, you could do that. You know, you mm-hmm. don't have to do it to extremes, you know, to be an Olympic athlete or whatever you want to do. But if you want to be better, be better, you know, get out, do it. I mean, that's how most people will grow. Right. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I understand it's scary. It's like we just said, it's super scary. You know, I'm always yeah. even like starting this podcast. I was com- completely afraid when I was trying to publish my first episode. Mm-hmm. Am I going to do this? I mean, what kind of reactions am I going to get? What's going to happen? Is my life going to change for the worse or is it going to change for the better? Whatever. But if you wouldn't just, you know, like you said, just try, just try, man. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You know what? We fall down. We learn like, oh, that sucked. You know, let's do something different next time. It's so true. That's so true. And so what it is too, is a lot of times when people don't do things that could really benefit them, they're having, they're really engaging in like, they're having thought errors. Mm -hmm. They're having errors in their thoughts. And, and this is too, why I really, you know, Kundalini yoga isn't the be all end all, of course. Like I, I, I do like, I've done things beyond Kundalini yoga, but I do, I do think it's such a powerful practice. And one of the things that happens in Kundalini yoga is you do start to separate yourself from the mind. You start to see that you exist beyond the mind. You start to have a different relationship with the mind. And so you can almost like start to see like, oh, well, okay, well, what are the thoughts that I'm thinking that I shouldn't do this thing? And are those thoughts really accurate? Are those thoughts things that are going to like move me forward? Or are they things that are going to like keep me in the place that I've been? And it's like, you can start to, you it's like, you have this different relationship with your own mind and you can start to see like, oh, this is actually, this is a thought error. Like this isn't the thing that's going to move me forward. I want to know, you know, you said you've been doing it for three years, right? Mm -hmm. So walking in day one, or you said you did it virtually, you know, starting day one and now we're at, you know, recording this in April you know, how have you changed just by doing this practice? Like, have you noticed yourself, you know, changed as a person or whatever you want to say? Yeah. So basically, um, what it, so it's kind of a longer story, but like I had left my job and I was trying all of these different things to try to like, give me the health that I wanted to give me like to help me feel the way I wanted to feel, to give me answers about life, really. And I tried all these different things. I made it basically my full-time job for a year and a half. All I did was read, research, experimented, trained in different modalities, became certified in different modalities, saw different healers, practitioners, tried all sorts of different diets, cleanses, saunas, floats, like all the things, right? And so I did this for a year and a half. And after a year and a half, I was in worse health and I was in a worse mental state than I was when I started, which was 
incredibly discouraging for me because it was like, you know, oh my goodness, like these things that I, you know, like want or like, I, I can't have them. You know what I mean? And life just, you know, it's just not that great. You know what I mean? Like we watch our bodies deteriorate, you know, we're, we're plagued by thoughts of fear and worry and stress and overwhelm and, and, and feeling not good enough. And so, yeah. And so I was in this really dark place because basically it was like, I had worked and planned my whole life to become an attorney. I became an attorney. I was super successful as an attorney, but also super unhappy. So then I left that job, like I'm going to find answers in life. Right. And so I'm like giving all my time to this after a year and a half of doing this straight, I'm in a worse place. And so I debated going back to practice law. Um, but there was this part of me that was like, keep going. And so it was around that time that I turned on my first Kundalini yoga class and after I took that first class, I, I felt different. It's not like I went from being in a terrible place to like being enlightened or something, but I felt, I felt different. And so I kept taking the classes and the more I took the classes, it was like the better I started to feel like the aches and pains in my body started to go away. I started to feel energized, like not energized by like you know, I'm drinking, I'm taking some sort of stimulant or something like this natural energy. It's like, it started to like rise in me. I started to feel clear minded. I started to feel like inspired. And so I kept taking classes and then I went and I trained in it, not because I intended to teach it. I just wanted to know like, what is this practice that is having this profound effect on my life? And so then I went and I trained in it and it was like, I started to understand like, oh, this is why this is working. And it was like, things just kept improving for me. And so what I would say is like, I, there was, you know, I went, I, I, I went on from that even to like make my life even better in a sense, but it was like, just doing that practice, mm -hmm. it was like, it really changed my body. I mean, it changed how I felt like it changed. I mean, I was in a place where, you know, I was just like, I'd wake up every morning, just like filled with like aches and pains. And I felt tired all the time. And I had a number of health issues. Some of them I had since I was a child. And it was like these things, they started to go away and I started to feel so different. And, and what happened too is like, so my health has, I mean, Basically, what I can say now is I've transformed every aspect of my life. Like, I can say that now. But, like, it was, you know, there's kind of like a gradualness to it. And then what happened is the more I did Kundalini Yoga, the more clear minded I became and the more inspired I became. And I was able to, like, look back at that year and a half that I spent and really look back at my whole life. It's like all the things that I did that didn't work, why didn't they work? And then I started to be like, okay what would work? And so, and then I started to feel really inspired, like, oh, well, what if I did this? What would happen? And if I did this, what would happen? And, and I started to bring myself to even greater levels of like clarity and inspiration and transformation in my life. And so it was like, 
Kundalini yoga was like this turning point for me that then also was something that it's like it it set me up to just see life more clear and to tap into who I was and to tap into what my gifts and talents were, which then has like led into like the optimization coaching and the programs that I do now. So, it, I mean, so it's like it, it, it started to change things for me, but then things have continued to change in my life. But a lot of that is from like the clarity that I was able to have during that practice, like the inspiration I was able to have, the way my body started to feel better. It's hard to feel really energized and excited about life when your body feels bad, you know? Yeah, I know 100% just that, you know, what people are putting in their bodies and they just think that, you know, getting a meal with, you know, ultra processed food and stuff is just normal and part of everyday life, but they don't really... And I'm generally speaking, of course, and mm-hmm. they don't really take in like, how's it really making themselves feel, you know, mentally and physically. It's just, hey, why do I always feel like trash all the time? You know, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, it's, and it's just like, you know, I read a book and this I've talked about it on here before people, so I'm sorry, but you know, it's a compound effect and I forgot the guy who wrote it, but anyway, like it's, have you ever read Atomic Habits or compound effect? so it's one of those motivational self-help books and I, I, mm-hmm. reason I read those. And so this is a side tangent here. Every time I read those, they're basically saying the same thing, but in 14 different ways, of course. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the whole, uh, the, to my point that it was just saying, Hey, take these little small steps and that, you know, all right. So day one, you eat, a, you know, you eat one out of three meals that are actually very good for you rather than three bad ones. So mm-hmm. you're doing that over time and you start to see, like, like you were saying, little small increases like, Hey, today I feel different. You know, I feel like I don't have brain fog today. I was able to, you know, walk to the mailbox and back and was not, you know, breathing, you know, heavily or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, to my point is that, you know, you just keep doing that over time and over time and you eventually start to see the clarity and what you were saying, like, Hey, this is going away. Hey, why is that ache in my body just gone for whatever? And it's like, Hey, if you think about it, Ooh, I started doing things differently. started doing things that my body really enjoyed and they really liked. And now it's gone, you know, and it's, it's kind of like the way they put it, that if a ship was to set sail from New York and it's, let's say it's going to England or whatever, and if it's off by one degree, well, over time, that one degree, you're going to end up, and I don't, I'm not a captain of a boat by any means, trust me, mm-hmm. but you know, you end up in Australia, you're not going to end up on your target. So just these mm-hmm. small little things that you do, you're, and if you have a great goal in mind and where you want to be at in life, just keep doing it. And mm-hmm. if you find something that like, Kundalini yoga, like you did, you'll get there. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a good point. And there's, there's a couple things to that too. It's like, you know, I tried a bunch of things too, that didn't work for me. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and, you know, again, there was this part of me that was like, you've tried all these things. None of them have worked. Nothing ever will. You know what I mean? Because it was like, And I think one of the things, I think one of the things that stops people from even trying is that it's like in this experience, the messaging is that like living in states of disease or living in states of stress or living in states of overwhelm or living in states where life feels monotonous to you or feels like a grind or even living in states of just low levels of joy. Like I just wait for the weekends to have my like joy, right? Sure. It's like the, the messaging that we're, that we tend to get is that that's normal. 
And in truth, it's not normal. It's been normalized, but it's not normal. It's not who we are. It's not our fundamental nature. And we can have such a different experience. But when people are generally like thinking like, but this is normal, like this is just what life is. And it's just not that great. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, well, why even try something? Like why step out of my comfort zone? Why try something? Because nothing's really gonna work, right? Because this is just what life is. And I remember um, when I was at my job, I was talking to one of my colleagues and he, you know, he was just so, um, you know, if you were to look at his life on paper, it would look like he had the ideal life. Like I'm talking top law schools, top firms, super respected. And um, I was just like, you know, are you like excited to get up in the morning? Are you like do you feel really passionate about like life and what you do? And he was like, no. He's like, but that's just what life is. He's like, it's just, he's like, we have a good job. We make a lot of money. He's like, am I super excited or happy about life? Like, no, but like, this is just what life is. Like I, I, you know, I had more fun as a kid for sure, but now, you know, this is just, this is just what life is. And I think, you know, so that's such a, a pervasive kind of messaging or it's like, well, life isn't that great, but because I make a lot of money, I should just be happy or something. Do you know what I mean? But I like talking to him. It was like, it just sucked the life out of me. Like, no, no, like there has to be more like this can't just be what life is. Do you know what I mean? It can't just be like, okay, yes, I made a lot of money as an attorney and I I had like the charming home in the city and I had the beautiful wardrobe and I could go on vacations and I was working at this prestigious firm and I had like the respect of all my colleagues and I had all those things, but I was like, I was deeply unhappy. And so it was like, but it was almost like kind of the thing was like, but I, it was like, well, you should be happy because look at all the, like, like you should like, this is like, this is as good as it gets. Do you know what I mean? And so when people are thinking like, well, this is just normal, it's like, well, what's the incentive or the motivation to try something different? And so what I what I would offer is like, these things have been normalized. They're not normal. They're not who we are. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Do you think that's what culture or society or whatever you want to say that, you know, teaches people and growing up that, hey, grow up, go to college, get the job, make money, start a family, live out your days and die? Yeah, generally. I think that's I think that's the general. I'm not saying every parent or every school or every but if we want to look generally, like growing up, like that's what I thought. And I was very focused on getting these external things. And my my kind of my mindset was, well, you know, once I get this thing, then I'll be happy, right? And so, you know, you and like I materialistic things. Hmm? You mean like materialistic? You know, once I get, the, not just okay. that, just like the the success, like this oh. quote unquote success, like the 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 degrees, the the big job, the respect of other people. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So like I, when I was in fifth grade, I decided I was going to become an attorney, and I worked really hard to that end, and I kept kind of doing it with this like okay, high school wasn't great for me because I was working really hard in high school. And then college is just okay. And then law school, I didn't really like that either. But I kept kind of being like, but when I make it, right? When I finally get there and I get that, you know, I'm that attorney, I've got that big job and I'm making all that money and I've, you know, and now I'm going to feel worthy and now I'm going to feel valuable and now I'm going to feel good and now I'm going to be happy. And then when I got it all and that didn't happen, it was really, quite frankly, it was really confusing. I don't doubt I, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you, you go along these life paths and you think you're in the right direction that you're going to be. And then you get to the, not maybe not the end of the road, but get to where you, you want to be. And then you're like, wait, am I happy? How's my health? You know, is this what I wanted in life? You know, because that's what I've, and it's happened to me that I go down these roads and then, you know, I never really ask questions. And then. You know, I just keep going down the road. And I guess like we were saying, what I said earlier, the negative comfort zone. And then, you know, five, 10 years later, it's like, what the, what the hell happened? You know, yeah. Is this what I had planned for myself? Yeah. And so for me, it was this very like external focus in the sense. It wasn't about like, well, who am I? What are my gifts and talents? What are What's my creative expression in the world? You know what I mean? It was about me like getting these, like I had to go and like prove myself. I had to go and become something. And that was who I became and how I proved myself was going to come from these external things from, you know, going to Duke Law and getting a law degree from them, from like publishing, from, you know, being at a big firm, from, you know, all those things. And so I, and, you know, when I got to that, finally got to that place, I was like, I should be happy, <laughs> right? Like in my mind, I was like, I should be happy. I have everything that I worked for. I had everything that everyone told me was going to make me happy. Like all, like, you know, yeah. and, and it didn't. Was that, you know, you just said every, you had everything that other people told you that would make you happy. Was that because that was their definition of happiness and success and not? I think really it's general messaging of society. Like if you really look at our kind of general messaging, it's like go out and become something. Go out and prove yourself. Go out and get the degrees and get the big jobs and get all the money and get the beautiful home and get the beautiful wardrobe and get the vacations. It's like that. I would say that's our focus. It's very external. Yeah, we're very materialistic society, you know, and just that I've always read, I don't mean to cut you off there, I'm sorry, but I did, you know, I've always read that, you know, 
once you're able to buy a Rolex or read or heard it on a podcast or whatever, once you're able to buy a Rolex, you've made it. You're successful. Right. You know, once you're, yeah. And it's like, so, right. Yeah. It's simple. You know, it's just like, hey, yeah. I have a Rolex or I'm, I'm driving a, a Lamborghini or whatever, six figure car. It's like, hey, I've made it in life. And it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's cool. I'm not knocking it, but this, this is like, what, to your point, it's not necessarily happiness. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, this is like a kind of general messaging. And I, I want to be clear, I don't think that you know, having a lot of money and, and having those things is bad. I don't, I actually believe that's expressive of who we are. It's the truth of who we are, but the difference is like what I would say, really the, where the focus, like instead of having this external focus, the focus really is on like, who are you, mm-hmm. you know, who am I? And, you know, it gets very confused because again, we have this messaging that like you come into this experience and you're kind of like nothing, right? And you have to go and become something, right? That is not true. Like you didn't come here to like prove yourself and become something. You already are it. What we're here to do is express the creativity, the genius, the intelligence, the magnificence that we actually hold within. Like that's there. That's like who we are and we can express that. And instead what I did was I had no sense of that whatsoever. I'm just like, I'm nothing. I have no worth. I have no value. I have to go prove myself. I have to go become something. And that's what's going to make me happy. That's what's going to fulfill me. It's like I just kept looking out, looking out. But at the same time, I didn't think that I was anything. So it was like, what else was I to do? Do you know what I mean? And in truth, in truth, like you come into this experience with great knowing. You come into this experience with gifts and talents that are unique to you. You come into this experience with this incredible structure. You come into this experience with these creative expressions. You're here to like express and experience that. And when you express and experience that, you're naturally going to get like abundance. And I don't just mean money. I mean, abundance of like joy, abundance of like love, abundance of like all the things. When you decided to leave your law firm or leave law in general or whatever, I mean, did your family and friends come at you and just say, like, hey, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I didn't, I didn't tell my family um, and my husband knew, of course. And he was just 100% supportive because he knew how unhappy that I was. Um, In terms of like my colleagues, you know, it's kind of like, wow, you've worked your whole life for this and you're good at it. Like, why would you, why would you walk away from all of this? You know, but then it was so interesting. Some of them were kind of like, it was like, I remember one of them just, right before I left, walked up to me and just said, like, what you did was brave. (laughs) And that was it. And then like walked away from me. (laughs) So I think, you know, it it was, but it wasn't like I got a lot of, um, I didn't get like pushback from people like, oh, you definitely shouldn't be doing this. I didn't get that. I feel like a lot of people would be coming up to you like, hey, you're leaving all this behind. You're just taking a chance on whatever else is in the other door on the other side of the door and you're just going to go with it. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a bold move. It's a bold strategy. I mean, a lot of people don't have the, the braveness or the cojones to, you know, it's a scary thought, but yeah, 
So, I mean, I was, I think I was the hardest on myself. I was like, this is the absolute craziest thing I've ever done. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? It seemed even surreal. It took me years to get up the courage to do it. And I remember the day I put in my notice. I mean, it it felt out of body. Like I cannot, like it was like I was watching myself do it. And so um, I think like I was the one who is the hardest on myself. And because I had like that had been kind of like, I thought that had been my life's dream. Do you know what I mean? And I, I grew up in a small town too. So I just even remember like walking into the building that I worked in, like this big, like, you know, kind of skyscraper high rise building. And I just remember like, oh my goodness, I like, I did it. Like I'm here. And how did I, you know what I mean? So to me, it really did matter. It really meant something. But at the same time, I just, it was like, I didn't know what I was going to do next. I didn't have a plan. Yeah. I just wanted, it was like, there was something in me that was like, there has to be more. I just have to know. I just have to know if I can feel different about life and about myself. I admire it that you did it. And you took that chance just because a lot of people, just like we were talking about earlier, would just go through life and just hating it and mm-hmm. never taking the extra step. You know, um, there's a great quote that most men live lives of quiet desperation and that, just because they're afraid to take that chance. And yeah. Great move. And I'm flattered by their, your success from it too. It's, it's badass, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like stories like that. You know, I love yeah. good stories that you you take a chance and you took a different direction with your life. And just like you were saying, you were living the, the so-called dream life. And then it was like, nah, this ain't for me. This is, I want something better. I want something different. And yeah. And I can tell people, and I mean, when I was sitting in that chair in that office, I, it felt hopeless to me. Like I felt trapped and I know that may sound like odd. I mean, I had this like great resume. I could have gotten another job somewhere else, but I really felt like it'd be different faces, different places. I was going to feel the same. And I felt, I did, it felt hopeless to me in a way. And I just, you know, cause I was just like, but I have it so good apparently. Do you know what I mean? And, um, I just, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't care if I woke up in the morning. It's just like, I don't, I don't want this to like, I don't like, why am I even doing this? I felt like almost like this robot zombie, just like going through the motions all the time. Like it just was, you know, and, um, and yet I think if people, the people who knew me, they wouldn't have been like, Oh, she's miserable. Not at all. Yeah. They'd have been like, and in fact, when I left, they were like, what? You know, kind of like, I thought you really were into this, but like, we get really good at putting on kind of an act in a way and just kind of going through the motions and like saying the right things. And, um, but I just want to tell people, like, if you're in a state where you're, you're just like, life is not great. It's filled with worry or fear or sacrifice or hard work or all those things. Um, oh my goodness. It isn't like we can choose to have that experience certainly, but we don't have to. And when I look at my life, I almost feel like I've lived two lives in one life. Yeah. And I look back and I just think, wow, like I could have missed this. Like I could have missed feeling this way. I could have missed experiencing my body this way, experiencing myself this way, experiencing life this way and all of the magnificence that there is to experience and the magnificence really that I hold within myself and everybody holds that. Like, it's like, I could have missed, like, I could have missed all of this. And it's like, 
I just kind of want to tell people like, don't miss it and don't wait. Do you know what I mean? Like you can have such a different experience. I like what you just said that, you know, you're walking through life and you put on a happy or a face and that you just kind of just go with those motions day in and day out. And it just kind of makes me think that, you know, when I'm walking through work or whatever, and you see the person going down the hall, you're like, Hey, what's up, man? Or how are you? You know, it's always like, Hey, I'm good. I'm fine or whatever. But if somebody actually stopped and said, Hey, I'm not really good today, bro. It's, yeah. And so you're just like, wait, what? That wasn't like the right response. Right. <laughs> like, you pause in your tracks. And you're like, oh, this dude's really maybe trying to seek out or, or him or her is trying to seek out for help now or whatever. But usually it's just, I'm fine. I'm good. And you just keep walking. You go on about. Yeah. Your, but you really don't know what people are, you know, have going on on the inside. Yeah. And I we really have numbed ourselves out in a lot of ways. And just like, it's like we're forcing ourselves to accept what we think life is. And we are, a lot of people are living in numbed out states. I was, it was the only way I could really continue to function. I kind of did have to numb myself out. And it was like, I don't want to feel how I really. You mean numb yourself out? What do you mean? Like not, uh, it's like you just, it's like you, you're not feeling what you really feel. You're not letting yourself feel what you really feel. Like, how do I really feel? Sure. Okay. I'm not going to go there. I'm with you. So it's like, okay, we've kind of lived, we're living in these kind of numbed out kind of states. It's not that we're taking something to numb ourselves out. We're doing it to ourselves mentally and emotionally. I understand now. Yeah. And so, and yeah, it was like, you know, if I really, if I really go into how I really feel, that's going to feel so bad. I'm not going to know what to do with it because, and I said this, like, it's like the truth, I, I call it the truth of who we are. It's like we have this fundamental nature, the truth of who we are. That's there. It's always been there. It's there since the day you born, like the day you were born, like it will always be there. Like we have this innate truth, like this innate knowing, this, these innate gifts within us. And it's like, if we're not actually expressing the truth of who we are, we feel bad. And it's like, instead of just, instead of like, so for me, what I did was I didn't know any of this at the time. I just knew I felt bad, <laughs> but it was like, I can't do anything about that feeling bad. So I'll just do whatever I can do to like numb myself out because I can't change how I feel. But in truth, it was just, the, it was like what I said, like the truth of me was telling me like, there's something more for you. That's why you feel bad. Like, listen to that. But it was like, I, I wasn't. Because I didn't know any of that. I was just like, I feel bad. This is what life is. You said at fifth grade, you know, you knew you wanted to be a lawyer. I mean, how, mm-hmm. it, was that just something you just happened? Or you, did you have a life experience that just said, Ooh, that's what I want to be when I grow up? I mean, or you just knew yeah. yourself and your gifts and your talents at that age and said, I'm smart enough to do it. Yeah. No, I did not know my gifts and talents. I did not think I had any innate gifts and talents. To be perfectly honest with you, I didn't. I didn't actually realize that until relatively recently when I started really like going down the path that I that I went on. But um, so here's the thing. <laughs> like, you know, I was not I as a child, I really thought that I was like this like defective, deficient being who had to prove my worth and value. That's what I believed. And I think a lot of people do believe that. Like we don't, we, we, we do have a lot of messaging that people, it's like, it's like you come into this experience and it's kind of like you're nothing. And then you've got these instincts that are bad and you'll do bad things and you'll 
You know what I mean? And and it's like, and then you've got these deficiencies in your body or what, like it's it, we, like, we don't have the messaging of like, you come to this experience, this powerful, knowing, intelligent being here to express your creativity. Like that's not what we do. And so as a child, I really didn't think that I had any worth or value. And I really thought that I had to prove myself and prove that worth and value. And so in a, in the child's brain in fifth grade, in this small town that I grew up in, I thought there were two noble professions in the world. And one was doctor, one was lawyer, and I chose lawyer. And I committed to that. Like, I'm going to become something. I'm going to prove I'm worthy. I'm going to prove I'm valuable. And that's what drove me. Now, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that when I was in college or law school or even when I was practicing law, I didn't know that. I didn't know why I actually chose to be an attorney. I probably could have given you all these good reasons like, oh, attorneys help people. And do you know what I mean? And like, but that was really the reason. And so I did it really to give myself a level of worth and value and to prove myself. And so, and here's what ended up happening with that. So I finally make it right. I have this great job and it did help me feel a little bit better about myself, but I still, you know, I felt bad most of the time because I was unhappy. But when I left that job, something happened that really surprised me. And that was like, you would think having done all the things I did, having gone to a top law school, having worked at a firm, I would have been like, okay, I'm not doing these things now, but I did them. And so I have some level of worth and value from that. But when that job went away, it was like every shred of worth and value I had or that I thought I had just went right with it. And I mean, I felt terrible about myself, like terrible about myself in a way that I didn't know I could feel so bad about myself. Because the thing was, is like in the end, that job couldn't give me value or worth. Do you know what I mean? I mean, being at a young age, though, you feeling that you didn't have self-worth or have anything to offer. I mean, that's that kind of odd or do you know where that came from? I don't really think it's odd actually. I think I think it I think it happens to more people than than they realize. And I know in my work with people I've seen that it's actually quite common, but it's not something that is recognized. So it's like and again because these things like that so that belief that I just talked about about not feeling worthy and not feeling valuable and thinking I had to go become something, that was a belief I held in my subconscious. And so that wasn't like evident to me that I was believing it. And so I've done a lot of work on myself to really understand my mind, including understanding my subconscious and making my subconscious conscious. So in the yogic tradition, what it means to be a conscious individual is to make the subconscious conscious. That's all it is. And so these were things that were happening below the surface. And it's not like I was raised. If you were to, on the outside, looking in at my family, you'd be like, she has a great family. In fact, people that we lived around said that. It wasn't like I had some, you know, upbringing that was, I don't know, like, I don't, I'm not sure the term, but everyone who was on the outside looking in would be like, oh, that's a great family. Do you know what I mean? And so, but I still felt that way. And it's like, again, these things, it's like they're running below the surface. And it has to do with 
a lot of things really, but we do, we take on these beliefs about ourselves. They run at that subconscious level and then we just keep taking action on them, which is what I did. It's like my whole life was about me proving myself. My life wasn't about who are you? What are you passionate about? What do you love? What's expressive of your gifts and talents? I didn't even think I had any. And I definitely did not think that that was what life was about. I thought it was about somehow proving myself. Yeah. So, and it, it varies, like it depends on kind of like, well, what situation did a person come from? What kind of family were they raised in? What kind of town environment, all the things, but. Yeah, I'm just wondering just because, you know, based on my childhood, I don't really ever really remember a whole lot, you know, about, especially being in fifth grade, like, well, what do I want to do when I grow up or anything? Like that never really occurred to me for, I guess, just cause. You know, I was in a real, real small town, you know, no stoplights, just straight farmland everywhere you see. And mm-hmm. I think it was just more of just like, hey, what am I going to be doing after school or what are we? I don't know. Just I never had that focus. Maybe just like you were saying, as far as, you know, being raised up, my parents didn't really, you know, put any kind of pressure. Any, and that's I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I don't know. We just never had these types of talks or that kind of thing just to say, like, hey, what do you plan on being doing with your life? You know, what do you think your gifts and talents are right now to help you succeed in life? And you know, and I guess my point is that it seems like today there's more students based on like a book I read, uh, Coddling of the American Mind, that with social media and things that there's a lot more stress on kids these ages that where they're saying like, I think there was a study in San Francisco where kids were jumping off the bridge just because they're like, I'm never going to live up to the success of my family. So I might as well not even try. Wow. Yeah. And I might be butchering that a little bit, but it was, that was the gist of it. For the most part, but I was like, was social media today playing that much, having that much impact on what success is and what you should be doing with your life just at that, you know, young age and not get your mind's a sponge at that age. Speed yep. In, right. Yep. Then I guess uh, my point was that I didn't have that. So I, it wasn't until like probably during college where I started like, you know, I was about to graduate and in my undergrad, I was, hey, is this what am I going to do? Is this what I had planned? You know, and like all my friends mm-hmm. started moving on with their lives. And I was like, wait. I didn't plan out anything. I was just mm-hmm. having a good time. Like that. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah it, it's really interesting what what people kind of, you're right, when, when we're children, our brains are like sponges and we just take things on. And what we do is we take on like beliefs of our family. We take on societal beliefs. We take on collective consciousness beliefs. Mm-hmm. And then events happen too when we're children and we don't interpret them correctly. In many instances. And so it's like if we get yelled at, we interpret it as our fault when in fact we interpret it as like we're bad or we're wrong or there's something bad or wrong with us when in fact, you know, that your parent could have just been having a bad day and could have been totally unjustified never yelling at you. So it's like you're right. We we take on these beliefs as children and what those beliefs are taken on. They're very different for different people. There are some, there can be some general comments and like some similarities, but yeah, they're very different, but they do, they drive us. And so, um, and so, yeah, so those beliefs are what drove me, but those, the beliefs that I took on, here's the thing about them. They weren't beliefs that were actually reflective of who I was quite the opposite because in truth, I, I had a ton of value and worth. I just had it innately. Do you know what I mean? In truth, I never had to prove myself. You know, I wasn't here to prove myself. It's like not why I was here at all. And so it's like, you know, 
It's like you take, if you take on these beliefs that are untrue, that aren't expressive of the truth of who you are, and then you start to live from those beliefs, it's almost like you create this false self that you're living from in a way, as opposed to living from the truth of who you are, because you're not living from beliefs that are reflective of who actually am I and why am I actually here? That was deep. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just... You know, just having these conversations just makes my mind go down those roads again and just reflect on those things. Like, hey, you know, it's just, and I hope people are getting something at least a little bit out of, out of this that, hey, just because there's beliefs is exactly what you said you, you think that you are doesn't mean exactly that is who you are. I mean, mm-hmm. don't let other people tell you that's who you are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, really, what we hold within us is so. It is so magnificent. It is so, there's, you hold in you such knowing, such intelligence, such geniusness, such love. And most, like a lot of people haven't even scratched the surface of letting that come forward in their lives. Yeah, there seems also that, you know, there's people who, you know, had a bad hand coming out in life and that they were really gifted or talented. But, you know, let's say that, they didn't grow up in a best. They didn't grow up in a best environment, and they, you know, got involved with drugs or whatever. Went down a wrong road, and they, now they're in jail, or whatever. But they have so many talents to offer. As far as, you know, I, I hear people like, you know, uh, I read an article. I forgot if it's Little Wayne or whatever. Who was ever in jail? One of them rappers. But you know, he was like, he was one of the best rappers alive. And he was being interviewed and saying, "No, I'm not that great. Like, if you saw who I was incarcerated with, you would see like, wow, like, you know, just these people would blow me out the water." You know, and just mm-hmm. they just had a bad rough of it, you know, or a bad go of it in life, and they, or they just made a bad decision and mm-hmm. went down the wrong road, and then they'll never get to be able to discover, you know, uh, who they are or yeah. give their gift to the world, you know. And, and that's just not yeah. music; that's with anything in life, you know. I mean, just, it is. So I, we do. We all have innate gifts and talents, and when we express those, we benefit ourselves for sure because it feels so good to us when we're being in our fundamental nature. Like when we're being us, that feels so good. But when we express them, we benefit ourselves, but we benefit the world because it's like I mean, you want to talk about benefiting the world. You want to talk about like power, like be who you are, express who you are, and at the same time, though, I I. I have a very clear understanding that many people are not really tapped into, are not remembering, have maybe never known, like never really experienced who they are. And so like when I say these things, it's kind of like, you know, and and here's the thing too. <laughs> I would have said to you when I was in a train, like, I know who I am. Yeah. I would say, like, I know who I am. I'm like, a, I'm a hard worker. I'm disciplined. I'm committed. I'm, do you know what I mean? But I really didn't. I really didn't know who I was. And I didn't, I didn't understand that I held within me innate gifts and talents. I really didn't know that. I just thought like, oh, I'm kind of good at certain things. And I don't know why, <laughs> well, but. You know, I mean, I don't, you know, I think you are. I mean, obviously trying or going or getting or gaining a law degree from Duke University and stuff that. You have to be a hard worker. You have to have self-discipline. You have to be, mm-hmm. you have to have great time management skills. I mean, that is part of who you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because you succeeded in doing all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not completely like, yeah, you might say that that's eh, not who I am, but it is part of you, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you can even take those talents with you to what you're doing now with your coaching. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And 
you know, I mean, tip of the hat to you for, you know, what is it Duke called Harvard of the South? So it might be. I don't know. Hopefully I just didn't make that up. Not to say that's the, you know, true technical term, but (laughs) I mean, I work in higher education, so I feel like I have heard that from somewhere. So you might. Yeah, it's that's very possible. Anyway, but I I wanted to circle back a little bit and I I know we're kind of getting a little short on time, but I wanted to ask you that, uh, you know, you said you did a, a ton of research and different diets and different things. I mean, were you feeling overwhelmed at that was just trying all that different stuff or was it just like hey let me see what works what doesn't work but what do I do like and what I don't like and what can I make work for me yeah Yeah, so that's a good question so there's a there's a lot of stuff out there Mm. and so there is a challenge to navigating what am I going to try and what am I not going to try and why am I going to try this and why am I not going to try that because the things I tried I really gave them a go like I wasn't like just I'm going to try this once or this, like I really tried things like many times for a year. I'd work with something for a year before I would like make a decision on this works or this doesn't work. So, um, so there were, it was, you know, there was, again, there's so much out there, but there were, I don't know that I felt overwhelmed. There were certain things I just really kind of gravitated to. And so I tried, um, but there's something I was going to say. Um, it'll come to me eventually. So yeah, I wouldn't really say it was overwhelmed, but there was, there's a lot of options out there. Do you know what I mean? And so I kind of had to sort and sift through what I was going to try and what I wasn't going to try and decide what I was going to train in and what I wasn't going to train in. Um, but yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to say. One of the things that happened was that so I'm trying all these things and you know the more I got into the different things it's like everyone has the like laundry list of things you need to do to get a result you know and so one of the things that just was really kind of disheartening to me was it's like okay I'm taking this time I'm giving all of my time and energy to doing these things but I'm doing so many things. If I have to do this many things to have good health or to be in the mental and emotional states I want to be into, there is no time for living because all I'm doing is like this stuff. And I, and it bothered me because I'm like, okay, I know that I'm taking this time. But when I was an attorney, I had almost no free time. And so I'm thinking, how is this stuff really going to work? in the long run. And it was, it was interesting. It was like, I really wanted results for myself, but I think there was always this part of me that was like, I wanted something that could work for other people in the life that we currently live in. Like we live in a high pressure, fast paced experience. That That's what we live in. And so, you know, it's like, what, like what, what can actually work where you're not just spending all of your time, like quote unquote healing. And that was just a real challenge that I faced. It's like one, I wasn't getting results, but the other thing that was happening was that I was like spending all my time doing this stuff. You know, I guess what I was getting at, because, you know, teaching CrossFit a couple of times a week or whatever, I'm, I'm usually asked, you know, like, Hey, what diet should I be doing? Hey, what, even not CrossFit, what workout regimen should I be doing? It's just like, and I'm always telling everyone that I'm an enemy of nutrition. And just because like you said, there's tons of different diets. There's tons of different programs you can follow, but you know, and I've experimented with a couple of different ones, but I found out what works for me and what I enjoy and like and that what's easy for me to do. And you know, my body 
seems to, you know, when I wake up, like I was saying earlier, I wake up with a clear mind and I feel good, you know, mm-hmm. you know I'm not sore for the next day. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get after it or whatever. But, you know, I think that was what I was just like, you, you try different things and you just find out what works for you. And just, there's always never one good single thing that just because that worked for person A, it's not going to work for person B. So. Right. And so this is a good point. And because too, right now we're living in basically like the technological age, like sure. the, and we'd call it like in the yoga tradition, the Aquarian age. And this is really the age of information. It's the age where like, so prior to this age, it was actually, the, the goal was to get information. It was like, it was harder to actually get information. But now we're living in the age where we're inundated with information. We're just inundated with it. And so it's like, how do we navigate that? Because too, and the thing too that we're seeing is like, we will have experts, experts who will have entirely separate opinions uh-huh. and they'll all, they'll have all the reasons to back them up. Right. Yeah. And like the whole diet thing is something I went down. It's like, how do you figure that out? Because they're vastly different in what they're saying and they all have their reasons for what they're saying. And so like one of the key things in the age we're in is understanding how to navigate all of this information so that you're not kind of just collapsing under it. And again, like it's, it's like what we're seeing too, is people collapsing under it. It's like, I can't handle all this information coming at me all the time. Mm. And so it's like, again, it's, it's a way to, it's like they numb out again. Cause like, I can't handle all this information. And so part of what we do teach, like part of what Kundalini yoga really is about is how do we get ourselves in that place where we can navigate that information and we're following our own internal guidance and we're listening to that above even listening to like an expert in a way, like we're following that guidance because again, there's so much information coming at us. Glad you brought that up. You know who uh, Tom Papa is? Mm-mm. He's a comedian. Okay. And, and he was on a podcast and he was talking about it, it was yoga, but not yoga, I guess. But anyway, he was working with a coach and that he was talking about how our brains just take in so much information on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. To your point, he's like what you said, being a technological age and so much news out there scrolling through Instagram and like podcasts. And, yeah. And whatever. Just you gain so much at one time that your brain is, you know, where it's almost like a computer just gets so overwhelmed that it slows down and it's just ready just to verse but he was mm-hmm. to his point he was saying that with this coach he learned to take i think it was 5 10 15 minutes out of your day and just stop and go sit in the room and just kind of reset your batteries and go back to neutral and that he said you know and he found that for him practicing that that by the end of the day he actually had more energy again and said so yeah so like you know by the time he was getting home with his family just being done you know just yeah like, just like mentally exhausted yeah and I was like, wow you know just something small little things like that could just make a big difference you know absolutely a hundred percent like some of the kundalini yoga exercises i mean you can do them in three minutes a day you could do them while you're sitting at your desk really oh yeah and so this is like a it's a practice that you know i look at this practice and i'm like how the heck did i like how did i know about this because it, it could have helped me so much in the job that i was in coming home with like a like not getting so, you know, tired even in that job. But but yeah, so the individual that you were talking about, but yeah, that's correct. We do. We have so much information coming at us. And here's the thing. It's like, we can handle it. We can. We can handle the high pressure 
fast-pacedness of this experience. We can handle all of that information coming to us and we can use it to our advantage, but it takes something. Like we need to really have our nervous system, have like, have that calibrated and balanced. We need to like understand our relationship with our mind, be able to control and direct our mind, be able to like consciously breathe, control our breath and like direct our mind and also control our emotions. It's like, but we can learn how to do these things so that in this experience, like we're thriving in it as opposed to really like collapsing under the pressure. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's take this home. I got one more question. Okay. And it's kind of a goofy question. <laughs> so I, that, um, we were talking about it at the gym, and I think this question is probably breaking the internet right now, speaking of Oprah information and the internet. All that good stuff. So anyway, do you think, hopefully you haven't had this question before or heard it before yet. So anyway, do you think there are more doors or wheels in the world? More doors or wheels? Correct. <laughs> This is sure. a topic in the gym the other day, and I wanted to get. I thought I would ask you and get your thoughts on it. Real quick. Okay, so I haven't. I haven't been asked this question before. Because okay, um, <laughs> apparently it was on the internet, and I'd never seen it either. And I was like, "What the hell, are y'all talking about?" Are they talking about physical doors or? Phys- oh, if it's a door, it's a door, like whatever, like the door to your bedroom or whatever, and then a wheel, like your steering wheel, the wheels on the car, like wheels that are on toy cars. You know, uh, if it's in some shape of a wheel, I guess that's where they're getting at. When I say they, I guess whoever invented this question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I really don't know the answer to this question. Um, I don't think there is an answer. I think it's just a brain kind of see how do you think and what are your thoughts are. Because I'll tell you what I said after you answer it. Okay. I'll tell you, I said doors. You said there's more doors? I said doors. Okay. So I'm just going to say what comes to my head right now, which is going to seem, I think, really off. That's fine. Okay. But, but, you're, but you're asking me a crazy question. So <laughs> I, I feel like I can do this. Yeah. So when I, when I think of like my like life, I think of doors being available to me. Like what door do I want to choose? What experience do I want to have? And I remember growing up, my mom used to tell me this story. Like she'd tell me these like stories before we went to bed, she'd kind of be making them up, you know, but it'd be like, so there's these doors and one is decorated this way and one is decorated this way and one is decorated this way. And what door would you, do you want to choose? You know, like this very exciting, like, Ooh, what door do I want to choose? And it's interesting that now I really kind of see my life that way. Like, well, what do I want to choose? What experience do I want to choose to have? And I have the power to choose that experience. And so Um, I mean, my instinct is saying like, there are more doors. And the reason I would say there are more doors than wheels is because when I think of wheels, and again, I I know I'm kind of being like a little different here. When I think of wheels, for most of my life, I felt like I was on a hamster wheel, (laughs) different faces, different places, but I felt the same. And I felt like I couldn't seem to get off of it. And so I know when another person thinks of a wheel, they're going to have a very different thing that's going to come to mind, like wheels on a fast racing car racing somewhere, but that's not what comes to my mind. So I'm going to say doors, but I'm, I'm curious what, where this question kind of is like going. It's just one of those, it's not really going anywhere. It's just one okay. of those random questions that 
you know, I guess like an icebreaker, you could say that. You okay. Know, ask in one of those stupid meetings or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, this is, you know, just to see what a person would say. And that, hmm. and I think, um, yeah, just, I don't, I don't remember who, who found it on the internet. It was probably some stupid Instagram page, but <laughs> the people at the gym were, you know, they were talking about it and I was like, what are y'all talking about? And then they asked me and it was something, basically they said mo- most guys will say more doors, but more women will say wheels. Oh, really? That's what, how they put it. Now, I don't know if how much truth there is to that or whatever, but I guess we could go do our research after this. But So why did you say doors? So because I was, my mind went to, well, cause I work in higher education, right? So when I'm uh-huh. buildings and you know, academic buildings and stuff, there's so many different doors just going like going through there, you know, just uh, all the different lab doors, in and out doors, emergency exits. And then mm-hmm. every house probably has, you know, at least two in and outs, plus all the bedroom doors and you got bathroom doors. And then mm-hmm. like, just keep going on top and top and top of that. Like how many different buildings are in the world all over the world? And, and I was like, then they were like, well, no, that's the same thing for wheels too, is what, you know, some of the people that Jim were saying too. And I was like, no, I mean, you know, wheels will, I get that, but I mean, I just, I guess because I interact with doors more often than I do. Hmm. And that's where my brain went. It's like, because I'm always walking through a door no matter where I go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting that more women, I wonder what that, I'm going to have to think about that, like the feminine and the masculine and why that might be. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just going off what they said. So I guess yeah. there's some truth. <laughs> So who knows? But I like or asking kind of crazy little questions like that, um, kind of towards the end on some of the podcasts. It's mm-hmm. just, just kind of goofy. Yeah, for sure. I'm totally game. Okay. But, <laughs> all right, so I got one more I asked in the past that, okay, let's say when you, you, you said you were married, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say before you were married, you go over to your uh, spouse's parents' house or whatever, and they give you the ox cord. And say play a song. What's your first song do you play for him? They give me a what? They give you the ox chord to play a song on, you know, for the party or whatever. Okay. What's an ox chord? You know, auxiliary chord. You know, uh, you plug it into your phone. Oh, oh, so I'm just like plugging it into my phone and I'm playing a song? Yeah. Okay. Okay, got it. At your spouse's parents' house or guardians, whatever you want to say. Sorry. Ox chord? I thought that was a pretty common term. Sorry. <laughs> I like literally had no idea what you're talking about, but now it makes sense. Yeah. Like the Oxport and you get the cold. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Bruce. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. What song would I play? Well, I. Mm, hmm. Think about it, huh? It could be a good yeah. song. It was just something stupid. I so it ain't got to be. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a deep. It doesn't have to be a deep. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Icebreaker question. Uh, yeah. So um, I would probably play my favorite song, which is With Imagination by Harry Connick Jr. It's been my favorite song since I was a kid. Imagination. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't heard With Imagination by Harry Connick Jr., I would recommend, I loved that song since I was a kid. And I, I really think like, if you listen to the song, it's almost like we're being spoken to our whole lives. Cause like, if I'd have really listened to the words, like really resonated with that as a kid, I almost feel like it was telling me something. I didn't hear it probably until only a couple of years ago, really. But yeah, I highly recommend that song. Okay. Well, I'm going to go listen to it. <laughs>
got some uh, little work that I need to do after this. So I'm going to play that in the background and see what happens. <laughs> okay. All right. So before we get off here, thank you for being here and all that good stuff. If people want to find you, I'm more about it. If you want to give it out, how do they do that? And all that good stuff. Yeah. The best way to get in touch with me is my website, www.karenicolebitar.com. It's K-A-R-A-N-I-C-O-L-E-B-I-T-A-R. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, Karen Nicole Bitar. Yeah. And you can sign up for my classes or my programs. I do complimentary discovery calls too with people just to see if that's like a good fit for them. Cool. Yeah, you're a badass person. I'm glad we did. Thank you for doing <laughs> Me too. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right. Bye, everybody. We're out of here. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.